Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Um, today is dedicated in loving memory and Lelunish Matem of Nisan Ben Ezra Alava Shalom and Lida Bat Agdas Alea Shalom, sponsored by their granddaughter, um, Ariel Meorian, Ariel Miriam Bat Orli. We wish uh, her and her family only Be'achot, Nechamot, and the uh, grandparents in Shamayim, the most unbelievable Nahat uh, from each and every one of their uh, grandchildren throughout the world. Our parasha teaches us a magnificent idea. The pasuk tells us about Yosef Sadiq and his brothers and how they had their differences and, uh, and, their, and they, were, they were fighting with one another. The parasha begins by telling us, Ele toldot Yaakov, Yosef ben Shana, Yosef was... 17 years old, Hayaro'e Techav Batson, he was um, uh, tending sheep with his brothers. And he was a young boy with the children of Bilha and the children of Zilpah. So he didn't hang out with the children of Leah, so to speak. He worked together with and hung out with the the Bene um, Shafachot of Bilha and Zilpah, Nishe Avi. And Yosef brought the batamra, the uh, 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 slanderous speech, so to speak, uh, bad, you know, bad news, evil reports uh, about them to their father, El Avihem to their father. And we're all aware of the fact that Yosef uh, saw within his brothers a few things that he thought they were doing incorrectly. One is the way they were treating the Bnei Shefachot. He felt that they were treating the, their brothers as if they weren't equals, because they did not come from Leah or Rachel. They came from Bilha and Zilpah. Okay, um, he saw them eating something uh, that he thought was non-kosher, but actually it turned out, according to the way that they understood the halacha, it was kosher. He saw them do other things that he thought were, were, were problematic, but actually, upon closer examination. Um, we understand that they also had their reasons. But the Pasuk tells us that Yosef brought these evil reports, these words back, El Avihem, to their father. And it's interesting to note that number one, it tells us Vihu Na'ar, that he was young. You just told me how old he is. You don't need to describe that age. Yeah, You just told me he's 17 years old. Number two, it's interesting. It says El Avihem to their father. It doesn't say... El Aviv to his father. It's also his father. And number three as well, the word that's used, he brought there the evil report, is not the traditional way you communicate that idea in Hebrew. Normally you would say, and he, and he told his father the story. And he said to his father, it, we dismiss all the various versions of speech, and we opt for the words, as if Yosef just brought him these words. What is the implication here? And our rabbis teach us something unbelievable just from the nuanced way in which we communicate how Yosef spoke to his father. You know, when a person um, wants to have someone improve, in fact, just the other day I had a phone call from somebody calling me up, Rabbi, uh, this person is doing this and this and this and this. I said, what do you want from me? I didn't do it. <laughs> you have a problem with the guy? Why don't you speak to him? 
Right? Why'd you call the rabbi on him? You know, hey, rabbi, I hate to involve you in this, but uh, so why are you involving me in this? Right? Amazing, right? Now, what's interesting is, is there a, a place or is there a time for someone to go speak badly about someone to the rabbi? Or for someone to speak badly to someone's parents or to his rabbi? How many times has this happened? So many times I've experienced this concept. Rabbi, I don't want to tell you what this person did because I don't want you to think badly about him. Just once I wish I had the guts to just walk away. The guy said, where are you going? I said, you said you didn't want to tell me. <laughs> just once I want to do it, right? Rabbi, I don't want you to think less of him. Okay, so you're very concerned about the way I think about him, but then you go and give me like the whole... The, yeah, exactly. The Torah, like they say. Right? So what exactly is, you know, when, is, when exactly is a person allowed to speak to someone's rabbi or to speak to the parents? You know, when, when is that mutar? So the halakha is there's a few different conditions. Number one, the first condition is that it needs to be whatever you're communicating to that person. It needs to be that you first try to go and speak to the person yourself and that didn't work. Because if you didn't speak to that person himself, right, to the person that you're upset with, who says that if you would speak to him, you, you, you're, you know, your rebuke wouldn't be taken? In which case, involving an external party is unnecessary. That's la shorara. And as we all know, our rabbis communicate to us uh, the importance and the punishment for someone that spreads la shonara. okay? So we have to be very careful. So what are the conditions? Number one, first condition is that you speak to the person directly. Try and clear the air, clear it up with, the, with them. Number two, the second condition is, right, not only does it have to be that you try to speak to the person, right? Number two, the answer is, the second element is, that it has to be that the person um, gains nothing, has no personal benefit from this, and it's completely for the other person. Okay, so you want them to improve, not that, so as an example, if you feel like, you know, I want the rabbi to side with me on this, that's personal interest. You want, yeah, you want the rabbi to make the decision, call the guy to a, 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 what's it called, a court case. Don't go and tell the rabbi stories, all right? Now, the second thing is, and number three, so this fir first one is, it has to be that um, you try to speak to him. Number two, it has to be that you, you're not getting any personal benefit. It's not about you, it's actually about that person and him improving uh, you know, their situation. And number three, the last is, uh, aside from uh, those two, there has to be in an exact and precise manner. So as an example, you want to tell the rabbi that this guy, he agreed to go into business with you, but uh, then last minute decided to shop the deal to somebody else. Don't come to the rabbi and say, this guy, rabbi, he's a crook. I tell you, he's a ganav. You know, you're already be giving me the psak halakha before we started the, the discussion. The guy's a crook, he's a thing, we threw the book at him. Say to him, say to me, or the rabbi, or the, whoever you, the person of influence you're trying to get involved, don't say to him he's a crook. Say, you know, it's really, I feel, I feel hard done by we sat down, we talked about the deal, you know, the, the implication was that he was going to bring me in, and then he chose to go another way. You know, now I'm going to lose money. That's not the same as he's a crook. Did you sign it? Did he sign a document? 
Was there any sort of contract between the two of you? If not, the fact that you thought you were going to make a business out of some business venture out of this, that doesn't actually add up to anything. Neither halakhically, by the way, nor legally. So Rabotai, the Afikeyam writes that that's exactly what the Pasuk is communicating to us over here. The Pasuk says, we said, what was one of the things that Yosef wanted to tell his father about? He wanted his father to understand that his brothers were treating the Benash Fachot, the children that were the children of Bilhah and Zilpah, they were treating them like lesser than them, right? So Yosef says the Pasuk, he knew he couldn't speak to them directly. Why? Because Vihu Nar, he himself was a young boy at Bnei Zilpah. Number one, he was the youngest of the group. He knew that the older brothers, they weren't going to listen to the younger brother. And number two, that he was also always hanging out with the very brothers that he said that they weren't treating properly. So they also saw him as one of them. That's what Yosef thought in his head. So he thought to himself, you know what? It is not going to help if I go talk it out with them. Number two, the second condition we said was that you have to get no benefit. Says the Pasuk, and yeah, you would think that, that, that Yosef's angle over here was that he's trying to get his father to side with him. But Yosef made sure that when he went to speak to his father, he gave it over to his father as if the father wasn't even his father. His only intention, he purified his thoughts, the way he was thinking, the way he was approaching it, that was as if the father was not even his. There was no intention whatsoever. It's just like I'm bringing it to their father. And finally, the Pasuk says, he, but not vayisaper, like we say by in the night of Pesach, right? Anyone who uh, elaborates, embellishes the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, right? The nature of a story is such that you enumerate all the details of it. So as an example, if I say, uh, I survived, that's the fact. The story is, I walked in the street, a bus almost ran me over, I rolled under in between the wheels of the bus, right? You know, that's the story. The story is the details, the nitty-gritty. So the pasuk over here goes to great lengths to illustrate to us exactly how Yosef did it. And Rabotai, even though Yosef said exactly what he saw, even though Yosef spoke El Avihem not for any personal benefit or personal gain, he didn't enjoy it. It wasn't for him. Yeah, even though. And even though he already eliminated the possibility of speaking directly to the person. So it looks like Yosef is gold. Still look at the punishment that Yosef gets for Dibatam Ra'ah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants him to recognize in the end of the parasha how important it is to have someone say a good word about you. He's stuck in the pit. He says to the Sarah Mashkin, please, when you get out, remember me. Remember me to Paro, Zakartani. Again, twice he tells him, please remember me for the positive. When you go out, you see Paro telling this, this guy in there, Adami guy, he's so nice. Maybe you know a nice Jewish woman for him. Right? Something, say something in my benefit. You see, so what Yosef was missing all that time in prison was someone speaking positively about him. So he was held at the mercy, so to speak, of this person. 
Why is he put in prison in the first place? Because his, the wife of Potiphera says, look, he came, he tried to do this and this to me, and look, I have his jacket. He was also the victim of someone speaking, not doing it in the proper way. And this is with after everything that Yosef tried to do correctly. So you see the power of, uh, uh, of someone not, number one, not speaking positively about someone else, for sure when you're not doing it with the three conditions. But here even, he did it with the three conditions. Still, it could have been done better. He could have spoken to them and tried and not assumed, they're not gonna listen, I'm too young, I'm Benebil Zilpa, I'm part, I'm part of the crew that they're not treating respectfully. If he would have spoken to them, he would have seen that actually, as the Gemara says, they had a halachic disagreement, Yosef and his brothers, about these three things. And in their minds, actually, they were doing the right thing. Um, our rabbis tell us that we learn, someone who um, uh, suspects someone who's kasher, right, who's done, doing the right thing, he suspects him of wrongdoing, He's punished in his flesh. So I always thought that that expression is a little bit of a strange expression. You know, you want to tell me the guy gets corona. Tell me, You know, tell me that. You are telling me, What is, it sounds like, it's a very ambiguous terminology. You should say, the guy gets sick. What does mean? So I thought of a chidush. We know, <clears throat> I'll give you a story that actually I shared a little while ago, but I'll change a couple of details. There was a man in London who came to me and he said, Rabbi, he says, I don't understand what's going on with me. I'm having, a, I'm having the strangest situation. I said, what's the situation? He says, my house over here in London, unfortunately, I have issues with, uh, with mice everywhere. I can't go in any room. There's mice which keep trying to get rid of them. Can't get rid of them. He says, so I decided instead I have an apartment, you know, in, uh, in, in Mayfair, right, with a fancy area of London. I'm going to go to my apartment in Mayfair. He says, my wife and I, we get to the apartment in Mayfair, and you don't understand, Rabbi, there was a fire in the, in the, in the, uh, in the building, and the, somehow the smoke, you know, went through the ducts, and there's a duct right in, my, in the closet, ruined all of my clothes, Maybe 20,000, 15,000, 15,000 pounds worth of damage to my clothing smoke damage. The cleaners say they can't get rid of it. Insurance company doesn't even want to cover it. Crazy what's going on here. So I go from one house to the next. Finally, I was so stressed out, I decided, you know what? I'm going to go instead from, you know, these places. I'm going to go, they have a, they have a vacation home uh, out in, this, in the countryside. They're going to go to the house in the countryside. Okay, and maybe then that way they'll take their mind off of, you know, the fact that they go here, it's a problem, they're here, it's a problem. They get drive out in the, to the countryside, he gets in the house, the rabbi tells me, he says, the first thing, rabbi, he says, I see on the walls, covered, there's mold all over the walls. There must have been an issue with the water in the house, there's mold covering the walls. He says, rabbi, what's going on? I said to him, you know, <laughs> we say it. <laughs> In Birkat Amazon, we say in the Berachat, the gift of the Baal Abayit, we say, Our possessions, his possessions, 
There was once a poor man who went to the house of a rich man, and when the rich man wasn't listening so carefully, he says, <laughs> His property should be our properties. Here, this guy, unfortunately, he's crying to me, he's very upset, you know, but he has problems in all of his three houses. <laughs> right? So it's interesting that the guy was upset, but in truth, he has right to, he's asking, and he asked me very, it was very uh, pure, his intention. He says, something, Hashem is sending me a message. What is he telling me? So I said to this guy, I said, if I didn't know you better, if I didn't know you better, I would say that you're speaking Lashon Hara. He says, what are you talking about? He says, what do you mean, what do you mean Rabbi? Why, why Lashon Hara? So I said, I said if I didn't know you better. I happen to know you very well. You're the nicest person. You never say a bad word about anybody. Very kind, very generous. So I know that that's not what this is. But if I didn't know you, I would tell you that, you're, that the problem is speaking in Lashon Hara. He said, why? I said, our rabbis teach us that when a person speaks Lashon Hara, we find that there's a punishment called Tzara'at. And the Tzara'at, it says, could affect the walls of the home. The Tzara'at could affect the person's clothing. And then eventually, if the person doesn't get the message, the walls, then the clothing, then eventually he gets it, so to speak, and it affects his body himself. He gets a sarat on the skin, okay? I said, I'm looking at the scenario. It's an exact match. You have one house where the walls have gotten ruined, one house where the clothing got ruined, and one house where the problem is that you can't, there's a, something where you're living, it's affecting you directly. I said, but again, like I said, and he is quiet on the line until the person says to me, they say, Rabbi, I can't believe it. How did you know? I said, how do you I know? This person, they never speak Lashon Hara. Unfortunately, they had an issue with the family, something, da 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 yeah, with the consuegro, with the in-laws, with the whatever. And she said, the, he said to me, me and my wife, non-stop, for the last, I don't know how long, all we talk about is this family. Can't get away from it. We talk about how they don't raise their children the right way out there. You know, they're not uh, this and they're, they're what kind of people. Are they generous? They're not generous. On and on and on and on and on and on. She says, it's, it's affected my, uh, my entire life. And Rabbi, I, I can't believe how you figured out. I, said, I didn't figure out nothing. You asked me what this reminds me of, what this sounds like to me. I said, it sounds like, you know, right out of the playbook, out of Hashem's NFL playbook, right? It looks like he's, you know, you, sometimes you could tell the guy's going to do the Hail Mary. Sometimes you could see it, you know, this is the Tzara'at play, you know, and that's what it looks like what it is. Anyway, this person, they committed, they committed themselves that from now on, they were only going to speak, you know, constructively about the things that they need to do to help the family member, but not in a, in a manner where they're degrading the other person. So maybe that's what it means over here when our rabbis tell us, someone who suspects someone else who's actually done okay, who's not done the wrong thing. You see somebody, you see the guy eating non-kosher, wow, you think for sure the guy's a, you know. Meanwhile, actually, he brought his own sandwich. The other people, is a business meeting, I had that sitting there eating, you know, maybe he shouldn't do it, but he didn't eat non-kosher. So which punishment does he get? Not in the walls, not in the clothes. He gets the highest punishment of the Lashon Hara. Why? Because the root of speaking Lashon Hara is how you looked at them in the first place. It turns out that in this scenario, Yosef Asadik, he thought that the brothers were doing something that they weren't doing. 
And had he had the conversation, it wouldn't have been relevant. So my point always was, if Yosef did everything right, why does he get punished? We gave you three conditions. So one way is, he should have went the extra mile. He should have went the extra mile, and the extra mile is that he should have tried to speak to them. The better answer is, that's right when you're right. That's true when the person did something wrong. But when they didn't do something wrong, and you were Choshen B'Kshirim, so all these conditions fall away. Because now you spoke Lashon Ara, you did your best, but it wasn't actually true. Choshen B'Kshirim. Therefore that turned everything that he said into, uh, into what's it called? I want to end Rabbi Otayim just with one quick, beautiful story. There was, uh, you know, there's some people, they, uh, they, like, they like to uh, uh, make trouble. Everybody knows some people, like they say, they love a good crisis. They love a, you know, controversy. They love to come and say, this person, that person, Hashem should, you know, you know, uh, God, I, I know you know what you're doing, but, you know, this guy, he needs to be taken down a couple notches. So even though normally you, I would say you know what you're doing, but in this instance, I think you're getting it wrong. You know, this guy is a terrible person. And they love, they love kind of knocking people. You ever meet people like that? They love it. They're always putting up signs about who is in Kherim, who is, uh, you know, uh, a terrible person, who's making the wrong decision. Anyway, Rabbi Galinsky finds himself in the house of one of the great Gedolim of the previous generation. And as he's sitting there next to this rabbi, right, a group of people come in and they're like, you don't know, rabbi. They tell the Gadol. You don't know what this guy is doing, what he wants to achieve, what he wants to achieve. He's trying to do this wrong, he's trying to do that wrong. You know, we have to put him in cherem, we need to put signs up with his name. We need to tell him no one to give him an aliyah, we need to tell him no one to marry his children. You know, that the whole thing. Anyway, they finally finished the diatribe, the yelling, the screaming, the pointing, the, you know, the fingers, etc., etc. And they look at the gadol and they ask the rabbi, do you agree? Now, what do they want? They want the rabbi to go like this. Then they're going to photocopy his signature, put it on you know, signs everywhere. This is what they do, okay? Never believe the signs that you see on the walls in Yerushalayim, Shema Yisrael, okay? You want to be, find out for yourself. Anyway, so they go to the gadol, do you agree? And the gadol, this great rabbi, he turns to Rav Galinsky, he says, Rav Yaakov, you know, what do you think? The rabbi immediately understood that the gadol didn't need his opinion on the matter. He was, he, he was deferring, so to speak, Ya'ani to him to get rid of these guys, driving him crazy. Rav Galinsky gets the hint, and he says, strokes his beard, and he looks at these guys, you know, the uh, rabble-rousers, and he says, listen, you know, the Midrash tells us that in the story of Esther, Haman is leading the horse of, of Mordechai, right? Leading the horse of Mordechai, and... Um, and she hears that there's someone saying on the horse, uh, you know, such shall be done to the man the king wishes to honor. And there's someone riding on the horse, wearing the clothing of the king. Looks like a, a photo model. Ralph Lauren, Mabarif, right? Like a million dollars on the horse, right? She thinks, who's on the horse? She looks on the roof. Her, her father, Haman. Who's leading the horse, for sure, like this here, okay? you know, forced to be humiliated, for sure her father's arch enemy, Mordechai. So she has a great idea. She goes to get the chamber pot, either the garbage or actually the, 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 the sewage. She waits and right as the man leading the horse passes by, 
She says the shame yichud kutshav and yichud shchintei v'dechilu rechim to do the mitzvah of embarrassing. Right? She pours the whole thing on the head of Mordechai, on the head of who she thinks is Mordechai. Who is it? Haman. Haman looks up with the poop on his head. You know, and that was not the smiling poop emoji, Rabotai. It was very not smiling. He looks up to see, and as he turns his face up, the daughter on the edge of the roof sees who'd she pour. The, the, this, you know, who'd she humiliate? Who'd she pour this smelly stuff on? Her own father. She jumps off the roof and commits suicide. That's why the Pasuk says that Haman came Avel Avel because he's in mourning for the death of his daughter. Chafui Rosh because it's on his head. My friend, when he used to read the Megillah, he would say, Nidchaf lebeto evel v'chafui rosh. <laughs> right? The guy's covered in, in, in feces, you know, disgusting, sewage. Rabbi Galinsky turns to these people and he says, what's the message here from the Midrash? If you're about to pour garbage all over somebody's head, probably you shouldn't make the judgment call from the roof. Probably you should spend the time to go check it out for yourself because sometimes what something looks like from afar is not actually what it's like from close. He turns to the Gadol. The Gadol says, <laughs> he says, they were so angry at me. That's what we're learning here. Yosef gets to experience what it's like to have someone about him the wife of Potiphar, and Potiphar, who he's only done only good things for. Everything that Potiphar sees Yosef do, Hashem maslech biado, he's great, he's the best ever, Matthew Mitlo. And yet, he was able to buy what she said. And the same thing also uh, uh, later on, when he needed someone to just say two good words about him, how much that would improve the situation. The person didn't say it. So Yosef is punished. Um, and of course, according to, these, according to a person's great level, that's how much Hashem uh, uh, you know, deals with them in reward and punishment. So Yosef, on his unimaginable level, it was a tiny chisaron, so to speak, um, according to that level, that he should not have, he shouldn't have guessed what they were doing. He should have figured out for sure. And even if he wasn't going to tell them off, at least have the conversation. That way you would have been mevarer, that they thought the halakha was like this. They, then you could come to your father and say, what's the halakha? Instead of saying, dibatam ra'ah. May Hashem bless us always to have a positive eye, a positive tongue, to speak only good about other people, and through that process bring berakha to us and everyone we love. Baruch Amen.